right. Well, good morning, Capital City Church. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> you guys, here's the deal. One of these days, I'm going to come out all amped up, and you're going to be amped up. Okay, so let's try this again. Good morning, Capital City Church. See, and we're going to get to a point where that's the first impression, not the second. Great job. Uh, wonderful to see you guys. Uh, my name is Pastor Jacob. It is so good to be with you all. We have a few brief announcements before we get into our worship service, but we want to give some praise. And so if you were a part of a small group or a Thrive group or a WANA or a youth group, we had over 180 attend our small groups, our ministries throughout the week. Isn't that a blessing? But I'll tell you what really blessed my heart is yesterday we had a work day and 50 people from our congregation showed up. Yeah. We, uh, we shampooed carpets. We filled three dumpsters. Uh, we did all kinds of work to kind of just clean the church up. And it was a blessing to just be with everybody who came out. So thank you to all those who are involved in weekly ministries or small groups or uh, work day. It's a big week. And, and here's the thing. If you're not plugged in, you can get plugged in today. So please make sure to stop back at the information desk and ask how you can get plugged in each week. All right. Um, just a few reminders. We also next week have baptisms coming up. Uh, so if you want to be baptized next week, um, we want to get you in the water. And so I will be at the information desk after service. Uh, if anybody wants to be baptized, we would love to talk with you. But that is January 22nd. January 22nd is Baptism Sunday. All right. Also, um, on January 29th, we will have OCU Worship Collective here. Um, they are a traveling worship band that goes around on behalf of Ohio Christian University. They will be here. Um, they do a great job, and so we look forward to worshiping with them. Finally, if you're hearing all of this or you're seeing changes and you're going, man, I just I don't know how to stay connected. I want to stay connected. Uh, here's the big thing. Info at capcitychurch.live. All right, so if you have your smartphone and you want to get it out and you want to pull it up and you want to stay connected, all you got to do is email info at capcitychurch.live and we'll get you connected with a weekly email that will keep you posted on everything good that is going on here at the church. All right, so if you will, stand with us and we're going to pray and then we're going to worship God. And here's the thing. It is not solely the responsibility of the worship team to worship. All right, we come before an almighty God and we lift him up in praise. And so bow your heads with me. Dear Lord God, as we come into this place, we pray that you would fill the hearts and minds of every person here. We pray, Lord God, that we would be filled to the utmost and experience the fullness of your love today. And so, Lord, may we lift up our hands in praise May we glorify you in this season and in this time of worship. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
steep before my eyes let it take my breath away a million angels fall face down on the floor all to echo holy is the Lord my heart can help but sing with all of heaven
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every dark addiction, declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus.
Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. from the mountains and Jesus in the streets and Jesus in the darkness over every enemy and Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus your name is just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence I speak
Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for all that you do and all that you are. God, my prayer now is as we have been worshiping you in song, God, and as we go to worshiping you in your word, God, I pray that you would just continue to reign over this place. God, I I hope that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that we have encountered Jesus this morning. So God, open our hearts, open our minds, make us receptive to the word for us this morning, that we may honor and glorify you in all that we do. In your name we pray, amen. Yes, we appreciate the worship team this morning, thankful for uh, the worship through uh, song, and appreciate Colton's prayer that we continue to worship through the word. That's an important part of what we do. Uh, as we were sitting, sitting there standing there singing, uh, I speak Jesus, I was just kind of thinking of my, you know, what, thinking through scripture and thinking about when someone spoke Jesus. And there's so many instances, but the image that came to my mind, uh, I wasn't there for it, but just how I imagine it, was Peter when he was drowning after he'd stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. And he said, Lord, save me. I think sometimes we get so caught up in what it looks like to pray or how we're supposed to pray. Um, But if you remember, that's just what Jesus did. He just saved him. Church, if you you ask, believing, in faith, nothing wavering, Jesus hears our prayers. We can speak the name of Jesus when we don't know what else to pray, and it is the right way to pray. It's the right way to pray. So uh, just so thankful for the time that we had together in, in worship this morning. So this week we're going to continue our series, which we've entitled Rest, and uh, each week Jacob and I are addressing an issue about rest that is part of an acrostic, right, the, the four letters of the word spelling out other words, um, and Jacob did a great job um, when he get us, got us started last week reminding us of the importance of reflection, and for the, uh, the letter E this week, we're going to talk about rest um, that we can receive or experience through the embracing of our weaknesses, and so if you want to find your way to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, we'll look at that passage here in just a minute. But uh, first I want to talk to you about my props I brought with me this week, Jacob's recliner. I sat in that yesterday when we were moving things around. It's much more comfortable. What I have here are some various braces that I've worn this year. Um, this is like a, a foot and ankle brace. And uh, I was having some foot issues, still having some foot issues, and went to the podiatrist and we went through some different things and then he told me to wear this and I I listened to him I wore it for like two whole days it was pretty uncomfortable (laughs) and then I started limping on my foot a little bit and it started making my knee a little bit sore so I started wearing this um, just from time to time Uh, and then this is a this is a back brace we moved this year. I don't know if you've ever moved, but that's always a good reason. So sometimes you can wear braces for preventative reasons um, or to make things feel better. This one's awesome. If you don't have one of these, the back opens up, and it comes, like they have gel packs you can put in them that you can heat up or you can refrigerate. Now, I'll let you know that if you heat them up in the microwave for too long, they can explode. I, I've heard. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't... <laughs> I'm not one for sympathy. I'm really not. Like, I'm not telling you all this so you can come up and ask me what I did or how I did it because 
most of the things that I did were pretty stupid. Um, they were unnecessary. Um, it's not because I spend 60 hours a week doing hard labor, um, maybe some spiritual labor, but nothing that should make my back hurt. Um, oh, these are even, I had these on before the service. These are UFOs. They are by far the most I ever thought I would pay for sandals, and I would pay just as much again um, because they're worth it. And I just love wearing these around because uh, they make my foot feel better. So um, the measures we'll take when we're in pain. And, and honestly, I seriously, I, I don't want you to all think, I, I'm your you can always pray for your pastor. You can just pray for my whole body. That'd be okay. Anytime you want to. I, you don't know what might come on, but um, I know a lot of you are going, <laughs> you, just, you young whippersnapper, you just wait. <laughs> I, I get it. I know everybody else has struggles. I'm not trying to highlight. I brought those to just kind of give us a little visual to think about what a brace looks like, what it means to, to brace something. The reasons we might use something like uh, the things I showed you this morning is because we, we do, we have an injury. There's an incident that takes place. Um, we might have things that hurt over something we call wear and tear, right? It's more than just what happens to our tire or our cars. Um, we could talk about uh, a lack of development. There could be a part of our body that could not develop fully and, and might need a brace to be fully uh, strengthened. But in any case, there's a weakness that needs to be addressed. So a, a brace can heal, help with pain. Uh, it can bring support to continue doing what we need to do. But most recently, my podiatrist said the purpose of bracing an injury was so that every part of the body around the injury can, continu can, can continue to move and work properly. An athlete might get hurt during the course of a game and be given the choice to sit out or brace the injury to continue playing. Embracing weakness gives us the opportunity to continue moving forward. You know, like the whole thing's a spiritual thing today, right? So start thinking that way. Embracing weakness gives us the opportunity to continue moving forward. But when we ignore a weakness or downplay it, it could take us out of the game or just cause further injury. We will talk about all this a little bit more in depth as we move through this morning. But right now, let's go ahead and look at our text. We'll be looking in the Bible this morning at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. I'm not going to be able to preach all this this morning, but for those of you that know the Bible and are working through wanting to hear from God, everything that Paul's about, that he's getting ready to talk about um, as difficult, was because he was getting so much revelation from God. So when you want God to give you revelation, just see what the byproduct of this is. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself or being lifted up, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. To keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Now, I know you just heard me talk about Peter simply uh, calling out, save me, Lord, but I have a feeling that if you would have got to listen in on what it looked like for Paul to implore the Lord Jesus, it was probably a pretty significant prayer. Three times he implored Jesus to take it away, and he has said to me, Jesus' response to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. My power is what he was saying. My power, the power of the Holy Spirit is perfected in human weakness. Most gladly, then, I will rather boast about my weaknesses 
so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to know, I just haven't had anybody in my office lately saying, Pastor, I'm so thankful that people are insulting me, and that I'm distressed, and that I'm being persecuted, and that everything is so difficult. And Paul says, I am content with this, and gladly I will boast about it. Let's pray and try to wrap our heads around this this morning. Father, we thank you today that the things that you do don't necessarily make sense to the wise of this world, but instead you've taught us to have a full trust and dependency upon you. Lord, that if there are people here today that are struggling to find peace or rest in their own power, that they would understand that through surrender, through understanding that they're not capable, that they're not in control, that you can do mighty and powerful things, that you want to perform your will through them in ways that they could never imagine. Help us to embrace this thought this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder what you would say is your weakness this morning. Um, Some might talk about a back pain or a bum leg or something like that. Some might say a slice of cheesecake or a deep dish pizza. That wouldn't be mine. Um, For me, it, it looks like a golf trip, especially in January when we wake up and it's 17 degrees outside. But I wonder this morning what would happen if we really got serious about the weaknesses that we are struggling with in this life. I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself and embrace that idea as we go after the fact that we can rest in his strength. We can rest in his strength when we embrace his weak, or our weaknesses. And so before I take off too much here, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this concept of weakness. I'm pretty sure we all understand that life has trials. There will be trials. We're going to trip. We're going to fall. We're going to have things happen to us. We're going to have people be against us. Embracing weakness is not being okay with my sin. Embracing weakness is having a view of yourself as being incapable in your own power. It's one thing to trip. It's another thing to intentionally hurt myself or continue in something that causes me pain. In the midst of talking about our weaknesses, we still have a free will and we still make choices to continue in something or to avoid a matter. The biblical concept of weakness does not mean the things we're not good at. It doesn't mean the things that we're not good at. We're not talking about a lack of talent. We're tempted to think this way. It would be easier if all weakness was was the things that we stunk at doing. If you go, well, my golf golf is my weakness, or basketball is my weakness, or cooking is my weakness, that would be okay. We'd be okay with kind of putting weakness in a box and saying, it's just something I'm not very good at. Weakness is found everywhere in the New Testament. Jesus told his disciples that in contrast to the spirit, the flesh is weak. The book of Luke refers to the weak as those who are economically disadvantaged. The Corinthian believers, to whom Paul was writing to in our text today, were weak in a social sense. The book of Romans tells us that Jesus died for us while we were still weak. That is, while we were ungodly and lacked any possibility of deserving the slightest good. Romans also tells us that we can be weak when we pray, when we lack the words or the know-how. 
And then there are fellow Christians who are weak if they can't get past judging others on the matter of conscience. And in our text today, Paul seems to cite the physical infirmities and challenges that he refers to as a thorn in the flesh. The Bible speaks about weaknesses. The context, of course, determines the specific meaning of weakness. But every use is connected back to the general idea of deficiency. If there were one broad explanation for weakness, it would be lacking. It would be lacking. I, I lack that resource. I lack that idea, that faith. I lack something, and so I call it weak. Weakness means we don't have what it takes. It means God is so sovereign over all things, so we are not in control. It means God is omniscient, but we are limited. It means God is all-powerful, but we are not invincible. We are not in control, we don't know everything, and we can be stopped, if you haven't figured that out. Weakness means that we desperately need God. We desperately need God. And the plea for my own soul and for yours is that we would embrace weakness and not despise it. So with these opening thoughts in mind, we need to start by recognizing that difficulties are a reality. Difficulties are a reality. I'll be honest with you, church, anymore, I've begun to understand people by what they consider or complain about in this life. The less it takes to set you off, and I don't mean anger, I just, that get you off your course, the little, you're telling me a little bit more about your spiritual walk. If every little, uh, if every little, uh, sorry, I just forgot what they're called. What's the opposite of a compliment? Anybody? Insult. Yeah, there you go. Criticism. Insult. I got, see, I just opened up a, what do they call that? A thesaurus. Yeah. If every little insult, if every little comment, if every little criticism pushes you off your path, You've got to get serious about where your identity is and where you find your power in your affirmation. There are two kinds of people in this world. People who embrace their weaknesses and people who pretend that they don't have any. Pretend. We all have weaknesses. In our Bible reading today, the conversation we see here between Paul and God is one that is relative to all of us. The fact that we find the conversation taking place in Paul's letter to the church of Corinth has significance because they're pretty messed up. And Paul's admission of weakness will allow them to relate more to someone that they probably saw previously as being perfect or untouchable. Now I'm going to pick on the previous generation a little bit, but I was kind of with them, so I think I can do this. I wonder, and you're not going to raise your hands, you're not going to nod, and hopefully if you're doing it, I can't see, or not everybody else can see either. But I fear that over the decades, there were so many people that walked into church that needed Jesus, that were hurting, that were lost, that didn't know how to figure everything out. And they saw us in our freshly dry cleaned and pressed suits. They saw us with our hair perfectly combed. They saw us never seem to make a misstep, not for the 90 minutes we were at church on Sunday morning and said, I just, I'll never be that. I'm never going to be able to do it. I need to be able to to know that somebody's going to receive me as I am. I need to know that there's somebody that loves me in spite of my shortcomings. And it it was a hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to cross that line and understand how that works. So Paul's becoming more relatable to his audience when he goes, Hey, I'm still struggling with something, folks. God didn't make me invisible. God didn't make me omniscient. God didn't make me beyond 
all the, the shortcomings and limitations of the flesh. We can rest in his strength when we embrace our weakness. We can rest in his strength when we embrace our weakness, but we can't embrace our weaknesses until we're honest about the existence of them. We have to stop pretending. We have to stop pretending, church. I'm afraid that too many of us have been trained in one way or another that we are not supposed to show weakness. You know it's right, isn't it? You've been in areas, you grew up in a house, you played on a team. We don't show weakness, right? We don't show weakness. And we aren't, when we aren't real about our weaknesses and our struggles, we embrace a false reality of ourselves. And we display behaviors that are not authentic representations of who God wants us to be. The truth of the matter is that oftentimes we don't disclose our weaknesses because we have been taken advantage of or exploited. Am I right? We shared a weakness with somebody and they took advantage of us, so they exploited that weakness. And this speaks volumes about the relationships and community that has existed in our churches and our communities and our families. And, And maybe sometimes even we personally have been responsible by maintaining and nurturing relationships where people did that to us. In battle or or competitive sports, we see armies and teams who will intentionally target the weak spot of the opponents. Just turn on a football game uh, this weekend and you'll probably hear a commentator point out what they call a mismatch in the game. Everybody know what a mismatch is? Perhaps a faster player is matched up against a slower player, so they will move the ball in the direction of the slower player or the less talented player all day long. I mean, if by chance the Ravens were playing a backup quarterback today, the Bengals are going to be on him. (laughs) But church, if we're going to be a healthy community, we cannot view ourselves as being in competition or in opposition with one another. If you're afraid to reveal or embrace a weakness in the company of a Christian or a friend because you fear it will be repeated or exploited, you are viewing those peoples or those people actually are enemies and opponents of you. And this is not what God intended inside the body. I know we've all had our trust betrayed, but, and then this produces a fear to show our weakness, but this is why embracing our weakness is such an important message this morning. It is the key to experiencing God's strength and his peace. When we recognize that God is aware of our weaknesses and still continues to want to use us to perform his will, did you know he still wants to use you in spite of yourself? Our concern with others' view of our weakness will be minimized. Many of you commented in in my first few months here uh, that you noticed uh, personal transparency in my preaching. And quite honestly, I I grew up in a pastor's home, and um, I've been a pastor for some time right now, and my rank or my title or my reputation in front of you is not nearly as important to me as my desire to have a relationship with you. And I have learned that the greatest way that we come to trust, trust each other is to be real with each other. You can't trust people that you're not going to be real with, and they can't trust you. When we recognize that difficulties are a reality, I hope that's something, I know we're saying it, and I know those are things you go, yeah, we know difficulties are a reality, but come on, church, I mean that when you struggle with something, you understand that just like Paul taught to the Corinthians, every temptation, every struggle that you've dealt with, someone else is going through it too. Everybody else doesn't have it all together. They don't. 
Some of them, I hope somebody does. I hope, I hope we're, we're getting better. We're on our way. But when we come to terms with reality that difficulties exist and that everybody's dealing with them, we struggle, do we not? We struggle to trust someone that pretends that they're not experiencing any. I don't know about you, but I surely do. Somebody that just seems to have it all together and, and, and doesn't ever want to show you. I, you know, church, I'm not talking about airing all your dirty laundry. I'm not saying go to your best friend's house today and say, I need to confess every sin that I've ever committed. But for goodness sakes, I mean, there should be people come in your house without you having to clean up the living room. Or pretend, or fake. It gets exhausting trying to be somebody that you're not, doesn't it? Nothing causes us to trust one another like sharing our burdens. Being real about our weaknesses allows others to relate to us more, and more importantly, it allows us to receive and represent a picture of God's grace in our life. We can rest in his strength when we embrace our weakness because his grace is greater than our weaknesses. I'm afraid that oftentimes we have minimized the grace of God to that of simply the forgiving of sins. And that's a big thing. So if that's all God's grace was, that would be good enough. That would be good enough. His grace does save us from our sin. But beyond our salvation, we can see that grace means that our relationship and salvation is not dependent on us, but that we receive it freely through the work of Christ. God's very character is grace, as described in Exodus chapter 34. And in Ezekiel 18, he articulates this by saying he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked to the point that in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter would write that we see that it is not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance through the receiving of God's grace so that when sin demanded justice for our soul, his grace said no. His grace said no. So we could argue that while God is a God of justice, that his grace is greater than his justice. In the Wesleyan tradition, which is the theology which we hold in this church, we believe in provenient grace or the grace that goes before us. And quite simply, that means God is working. God is working in the situation before you get there. You don't have an answer. You don't know where resources are going to come from. God is already there. Often in ways you can't even see it. If, if you're living and walking in the presence of the Holy Spirit as a recipient of his grace, he has protected you. Church, let me help you understand this today. If you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the presence of his grace, he has protected you from the enemy. He has protected you from attacks that you weren't even aware were taking place. I don't want to try to live one day without his grace surrounding me. His grace goes before you. And the book of Isaiah says he's got your back as well. It is only when we embrace our weakness that we can truly be embraced by his grace. James chapter 4 says that Jesus so desperately wants a relationship with you that when we have failed in our sin, he gives a greater grace. So we get to a guy named James late in the New Testament, and after we have all the scripture and see all the examples of grace, James sits down as he's writing and says, I see even in a greater failure that there's a greater level of grace that God wants to bestow upon us. His grace is greater so that I can rest in his strength. 
when I embraced my weakness. But that same passage in James goes on to say that grace is not for the proud, but it's for the humble. Which brings us to our landing spot today. Embracing weakness promotes his power. Embracing weakness promotes his power. Paul said to keep me from exalting myself, from being lifted up, from being prideful, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Hey, when things just seem to be going your way, and maybe you even just kind of go home and sit down and go, hey, I kind of got things in control. I did pretty good today. Things are just how I want them to be. Just be careful that you're not inviting a messenger of Satan that would be allowed by God to come and speak to you and say, hey, I just need to remind you of your humanity a little bit. This, this thorn in the flesh that, that Paul speaks of is irritating. Anybody ever feel like something's just irritating, getting your way when you're trying to do good? This thorn in the flesh, just, I didn't say who, I said something, I didn't say a person. This thorn in the flesh that Paul speaks of is irritating and prohibiting, but Paul clarifies that it is a thorn in the flesh, not a, a thorn in the spirit. The thorn isn't the weakness, but rather the thorn is a nuisance to him because the flesh is weak. When God designed us, he knew that we could or we would have the ability to come to the realization that the flesh has weaknesses. The flesh will fail and ultimately the flesh will be no more. But when I acknowledge in my flesh that I have weak spots, this recognition encourages my dependency on the Holy Spirit, which is the true source of all my strength and power in Christ Jesus. Growing up, the golfer, I'll say the golfer in case there's somebody that doesn't live in America and doesn't know who Tiger Woods is, but growing up, Tiger Woods was probably as close as I came to having a hero, at least in the sports world. I say growing up, but at my home office, I have a poster and a bobblehead still, so do what you will with that. Actually, as I'm just saying that out loud when I was younger, I actually had a shirt that, that said, I am Tiger Woods. <laughs> we look so similar, right? Like, um, I was attracted to that passion, that drive, that desire for excellence. Tiger Woods is probably who my wife has to thank for all the wonderful golf toys that I keep around the house. But I'll never forget the first time I saw him at Muirfield Village. He was on the driving range and he was working with a swing coach. And I asked someone, how can there be a person that tells the best golfer in the world how to get better? And very quickly, the person I was standing next to talking to excuse me, said, no matter how good you get, no matter how good you get, you will always need an outside perspective. Jacob mentioned last week that Socrates said that an un unexamined life is not worth living. And as he continued, he talked about the importance of reflection, which means that we take an honest look at ourselves, among so many other things. But if you really want to live a life worth living, you will not only reflect on yourself, but you will also ask for others to help you with your weaknesses. The best of the best realize uh, and are constantly examining the weak spots and asking others to help them get better. When was the last time you just said, I just went up to somebody that you knew would be critical, hey, how do you think I could get better? 
Unfortunately, I feel like we live in a culture that's doing nothing but seeking affirmation, and it's lowering the level of excellence because we're affirming people for doing poor work. We're affirming people for, well, sinning, too. I mean, that's not, that doesn't really make my point. We're affirming people in this culture for sinning, for coming up short, for not doing. And I'm not talking about beating up your four-year-old because, right, everybody get me? I'm not talking about the way we love our kids or uh, I'm not saying go home and just start this new routine. Pastor said we're supposed to just check each other. I'm talking about you being willing to take constructive criticism, first and foremost from the Holy Spirit, but from others as well, to seek that out. Did you know that it's much easier to ask somebody what you could do better than to have them tell you? What do they call that? Most people don't like unsolicited criticism. Most of us don't. But the best of the best realize and are constantly examining the weak spots and asking others to help them get better. So from a standpoint of humanism, we would stop there. But as Christians, we, know, we can know that our weaknesses come alive when we embrace them and allow the power of the Holy Spirit, which is in us, to take front and center. Throughout the scriptures, God continually, continually asks people to make little of themselves so that they can make much of him. Gideon went into battle with only 300 men. David faced the giant without armor. Moses stood down all the powers of Egypt with only a staff. In the greatest story in human history, Jesus stepped down from his throne in heaven. And as God the Father said, Son, do you know what will happen to you if you do this? Jesus' response was simply, I know what will happen to them if I don't. Jesus' death on the cross was the epitome of our principle today in that he allowed every human weakness to be exposed and shamed and on the cross ultimately embraced so that the power of God's love could come to full fruition to us and for us. In the end, Jesus made himself absolutely nothing so that we could have absolutely everything. So church, if you're looking for a quick and easy understanding of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be Christ-like, your job today, and as you leave this place, is to make little of yourself and to make much of Jesus. To make little of yourself and to make much of Jesus. That was the story with John John the Baptist. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. Too many of us are just trying to ride his coattails, hoping that we can increase the way that he does. But the more that we diminish our own reputation, the more that we diminish our own strength, the more that the light of Christ can be seen in us. I'm going to invite Colton to come. We're going to take some time to respond to this message today. And as we start this time of response, let me start by posing this question. A couple questions, I guess. Are, Are we being someone who protects and shows compassion towards the weakness in others. There's a lot of places you could jump in and get application from this sermon today, but one is, if there's somebody sharing weaknesses with you, you better not be beating them up. You need to be loving on them. You need to be helping them work through that. You need to talk to them through your experience. Maybe you can relate to a time or are currently dealing with the same kind of weakness. Sometimes God brings those people together. But secondly, are we being transparent about the weaknesses in us? First with ourselves, first with ourselves, secondly with with God and, and maybe even as well others as we see the opportunity. But we have to start being real. We have to start being real. Some of us even boast when we share weaknesses because we haven't really embraced it. 
We say we struggle with a perfect, being a perfectionist instead of saying we fear ridicule. We say we are a people pleaser instead of admit, uh, admitting our need for real love and affirmation. We say we work too much instead of admitting we are afraid to slow down and allow God to speak to the areas of our life that need to be addressed. You will never build trust and community in your marriage, in your home, in your church, in your workplace. You're never going to build trust and community with one another unless you are talking about the real struggles of life. Man, I, as we went through the COVID season and even continued suicide rates were all, at all-time all high, I talked to doctors that said the prescriptions for antidepressants, antidepressants and anxiety were all, at an all-time high. And what a lot of people needed to do is they need to, needed to embrace their weakness and they needed to find community with someone else. got to be real with each other about our struggles it's okay to say i need someone to love me it's okay to say i need affirmation it's okay to say that you've been hurt or mistreated it's okay to say that you struggle with an addiction or a habit maybe you struggle with about what you fear in life maybe your fears are something that are overwhelming you right now maybe it's a concern over finances maybe it's a concern over a lack of purpose or meaning. And you know, Pastor Ed has told me he believes every Christian needs to go through a 12-step program. And the first three steps sound something like this. We need to admit that we're powerless. We need to believe in the greater power of God. And we need to make a decision to turn our lives and our will over to the care of God. Embracing weakness means so many things, but a big part of it is releasing control so that God can take over. You keep wanting to see him work, but you won't let go of the steering wheel. When Paul asked for this difficulty in his life to be removed, the response from Christ was, my grace is enough. For power, my power, is perfected in weakness. In your weakness, Paul, my power takes front and center. Paul's response when he heard this, it doesn't say he was begrudging. He wasn't reluctant. He wasn't the Christian that gets up on stage every week and says, well, Satan really beat me up, but I'm still here. No, it says most gladly, Paul said, then I will boast about my weaknesses. I will embrace my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Paul wanted the fullness of Christ's power more than recognition, more than title, more than salary, more than affirmation, more than approval, more than reputation, even more than he wanted to be free of pain and discomfort. If you want God's power in your life, you need to own your weaknesses and your struggles, your doubts and your fears, your anxiety and your depression. You need to own these in a way that God can take over and he can heal you. Church, it's time for us to start seeking healing instead of being afraid of what it's going to take to get through it. We limp around spiritually, emotionally, and even physically like we're okay, thinking we are fooling others when we are only fooling ourselves. You can rest in his strength when you embrace, his weak, when you embrace your weakness. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And Colton's going to lead us in the song, Oh, Come to the Altar. And that's exactly what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning. This song poses the questions, are you hurting? 
Are you broken? Are you overwhelmed by your sin? Are you overwhelmed by your situation? Are you at the end of yourself? Do you thirst for the things of God, the power of God? Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. He's calling all of us to lay down our burdens and struggles before him so that he can truly accomplish his will for your life as you embrace your weaknesses and find rest or peace in the strength that is waiting for you in him. I would argue this morning that if you're struggling to see God move in your life, if you're struggling to find purpose, there's a good chance you are continuing on in a prideful sense somewhere in your life. And the enemy would love to see you stay there. Every time, church, that I've come to a realization of a weakness in my life, every time I've come to a realization of a weakness in my life, I would find out that those closest to me had already seen it long before I had. I'm just speaking there because I want to put away any doubts and fears you have about coming to pray today. Well, somebody might think, they already know. You all know what I'm talking about. You've been on the other side, right? You've seen somebody's weak spot or blind spot and going, what on earth are they doing? Well, we've got the weak spots and the blind spots too, I'm afraid. Every single time I've admitted to one of my weaknesses, everyone else already knew about it, but now they had permission to help me. And that's what happens with God. When I embrace my weakness, he says, now that's somebody I can use. You aren't going to surprise anyone when you own that difficulty or shortcoming in your life. You are going to find out that people respect you more for taking responsibility and turning it over to God. Don't carry it anymore. Stop the charade and come find peace and rest in the power of Christ living in you. Embrace your weakness and be embraced or held by his grace today. Father, we are weak, but you are strong. Lord, I pray that all throughout this place today that there would be people that would sense and know the urgency of the call that you have on their life. I pray, God, that you would help them understand that it's only when they can admit to these difficulties that you'll come in that you'll surround them with your love and your grace and that you will empower them to do the unthinkable the things that they don't believe they can do the things that they can't figure out and what will end up happening is that you'll get the glory instead of us lord and so for those of us that continue to kick against the pricks believing that in our own power we're going to somehow accomplish something lord even to that end it's just us that's going to get the, the glory so forgive us when we've done that help us to rest Help us to find peace today, Jesus, in your grace. Help us to come with gladness and joy to know that we can lay all of these things at your feet. And your power will shine through us and the gospel message will go forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's just stay in a spirit of prayer this morning. I've been sitting where you are so many times, and the enemy has so many excuses right now. Well, the song's almost over. There's not enough time to go pray right now. And so I just felt led to say, we're going to take an extra minute this morning. We have a couple that have just come down to pray. And I think this is an important message. So I'm going to give you something to pray if you're not sure how, you, how to pray right now. And this is a prayer that works, I'm sure of it. Jesus, I don't know what to do. I can't figure out this situation. 
And I think his reply is, good, I'm glad you understand that now. I'd like to take over. There's too many people struggling with too many things for us not to pray about this this morning, church. If there's a weakness, if there's a struggle, if there's something, a bar that you don't feel like you can get over or you just don't see a way out, he wants to give you the power to do it. He's got it. He's waiting to give it to you if you'll just come and ask him for it. Father, we pray that you would just help us to be obedient in these next couple of minutes this morning, Lord. That whether it be where people are standing or if they would feel compelled to come and kneel so that they could admit that they want someone else to understand that they're going through a hard time, that they, they need help, that they need your strength. Lord, I don't know that there's a greater thing that a person could do than to ask for help. Lord, it means we've laid down our pride. It means we've, we've laid down all the things that we think that we're capable of and we've turned control over to you. God, help us to take this step this morning however you would lead. In Jesus' name, amen. recently divorced and I have a group of friends that we're a support group for <laughs> and I met with them last night and um, they're great Christian people and, and I don't even know why I'm sharing this but there's a guy there and when I first met him believed in God and was in this strong place with the Lord and things have happened in his marriage and stuff and he told me last night that he, the doctor put him on prescriptions and he's going down really bad and it's destroyed him and so you know I'm like I, I've been through a lot and I'm like you know my first response to him was like, and he knows we care about him. He reached out to us because he knows we're a support group for him. So he did the right thing. He knows he can trust us. But I'm mad at myself because my response to him was, when are you going to stop fighting and let God fight for you? Like, when are you going to stop the bitterness and the hatred and the vengeance, trying to get vengeance on people and just let God fight for you and you stay planted in him? But I thought, weakness, my weakness was I didn't do it in love. I didn't go to him in love. Like, I know where you're at, man. And I'm really sorry you're feeling the way you feel. Like, it wasn't in a, I could have done it better. But I just, 
have a hard time believing that antidepressants are the answer when the Holy Spirit can overcome anything. And so I don't know why I shared that, but I feel led to do I Speak Jesus again. And I do honestly believe that no matter what you're facing, the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, is able to overcome anything. And so my heart's just breaking because I want him to know that he's stronger than that. And he's just letting it just take him down. And so don't let it take you down this morning. He's there. God is here in this place. His spirit is here with us. And I know that there's somebody out there that needs to come to the altar this morning. They need to just leave it all here today. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within his presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is kind To everyone held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Your name is power, and your name is healing. Your name is life. Stronghold and shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Cause your name is power and your name is healing. Your name is life and break. Strong hope shine through the 
shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets and Jesus in the darkness over every enemy and Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus because your name is power Your name is power, and your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like the I'm not sure this morning how, how long or, or how ridiculous the thorn in the flesh had been to Paul. I have to believe that probably for a while he tried to manage it in his own strength. Thought he'd work through it, thought he'd tough it out. Maybe tried some different things to get through it, right? Maybe he tried a, a, maybe he tried a 12-step program. Maybe he tried to break a habit for 21 days or 40 days. Maybe he had an accountability partner. Maybe he said, this is the year. Finally, he just said, I want to rest in the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm going to recognize that this is something I can't do on my own. And I have to believe there's places that we're still relying too much on our own strength. Let me just reassure you this morning that one of the greatest blessings of resting in his power is you get over a lot of the things, of worrying about what other people think of you, worrying about perceived failure, because you know he's got you exactly where he wants you, doing exactly what, you, what he wants you to do. We have to step into that this morning, church. I hope we've been helped this morning. I hope the Holy Spirit has been real to you. I hope those that came to the altar will take the decisions that they made away with them, and they'll put action to those decisions and to those prayers. I'm going to allow you to be seated this morning. We're going to uh, come to you for morning tithes and offerings. Uh, Again, just as a reminder, you can give online uh, through various means. You know, I hate to kind of beat a dead horse. There's so many ways you can give to the church. Uh, you know, if you were trying to figure out a way to buy something on Amazon and one way didn't work, you'd figure it out till you got it to your house. So uh, I'm sure if you want to get the money to us, you can get it online. You can give uh, through check. We have places you can drop it off during the week. Uh, Father, we do pray that you'll bless this offering. I pray that you help us to continue have a spirit of unity in this church as you move things along. Help us to be faithful, not to get in the way, but to just continually support the work of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we'll say goodbye to our 
online crowd. Uh, we thank you for joining us today. And if you are a guest here today, uh, I wasn't in here the first part of the service. I was hanging out with some people in the hallway, getting to know a couple new people. But if you are new here today, we 